Hi and welcome to Family Matters, real talk about divorce, separation and everything in between. My name's Mandeep Sahota and I'm Sarah Khan-Bashir and together we run SKB Law. Hi and welcome back to Family Matters. In this episode, Sarah talks to therapist Imran Manzur. Imran's a lead therapist of Breaking the Silence, an organisation he created almost 10 years ago in response to the lack of mental health services for South Asian men. Listeners, they talk about fatherhood, fast cars and the relationship between sons and mothers. We hope you enjoy the episode. Right, so Imran, thank you for joining us today. Um, we're going to speak to um, you about the kind of work you're doing with um, men in particular. Imran is a psychoanalyst and he works uh, nationally, but based in Bradford. Imran, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Imran Mansur. Um, I'm from Bradford. I went to school here in Bradford um, and I now run a service um, to try and encourage men of South Asian extraction to get help with their mental health issues or just their general everyday issues that really bring them down. Yeah. So um, whether that's anxiety, um, marital problems, relationship problems, yeah. Okay. Um, are you, um, incidentally, which school did you go to? I went to Hanson. Oh, okay oh. then, just up the road Hanson, from where I yeah. used to live, yeah. yeah, yeah. In terms of the, the work that you're doing, especially specifically, as you said, with South Asian men, have, how long have you been doing that? Oh, um, over 20 years, but this specific project has only been existence, in existence um, since 2012. Right, and can you tell us a bit more about the project in, in particular? Uh, yeah, so it's born of my frustration with... Um, the general, um, so it's born of my general frustration um, with mainstream mental health services lacking legitimacy and therefore not being um, an attractive option mm. for men who are experiencing mental health in our communities. And that unfortunately then pushes them into the purview of some extremely unhealthy forms of so called mental health relief. Right. Um, which is often financially exploitative. Yeah. Um, claiming to be faith-based, but often not faith-based at all. Um, and, and you know, involves abuse. And how did you get into that? I mean, did you set out to say, I am going to be a psychoanalyst and this is the group of people I'm going to be working with? Um, pure happenstance. So um, I worked in theatre for a long really? time. Really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so I've been involved in quite well-known theatrical and movie works here in the UK. Oh. Um, as, but as what? I mean, what, what did you as, do? As, as a script polisher. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I worked mm. in theatre, but was generally interested in... Um, I, I, I did a psychology degree, mm. having failed medicine. Um, like every good Asian boy, I went to do medicine, but <laughs> found... The experience of being away from Bradford just too much fun, oh. and therefore didn't study. Um, I thought you were going to say heartbreaking. No, <laughs> no, no. I was, uh, so anyway, I, I did something I was far more interested mm. in eventually, um, and then that led me down various routes of psychotherapy and ultimately to forms of psychoanalysis. Um, 
and that informed some of the theatrical work we were doing. Mm. Um, but then, you know, I was I was working as a therapist, and I just kept coming across experiences of Asian boys mm. and Asian men who, of course, you're a brown male therapist, so here you've got to work with all the brown yeah. people. That's relatable. Of isn't course, it? Yeah, yeah, because nobody else wants to. Yeah. Um, and consequently, um, I, I just there, there was patterns of behaviours that just were being ignored. Mm. It was very people were very quick to criminalise um, and to ascribe behaviours to culture, but nothing about stripping away the layers of the onion to find the root mm. cause. And I thought I could see patterns of root cause, and some of them proved right, and some of them proved wrong. Um, and that was really what was behind me setting up my own service. Would it be fair to say then you saw like a system was failing? Oh, absolutely. It was complete systemic failure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, to the extent that, you know, they were being excluded from school at a much higher rate. Um, they were being forced into the criminal justice, well, I say forced, but they were ending up in the criminal justice system at a far significantly higher mm. rate. They were being incarcerated at a higher rate. Um, and then we see repeated school um, failure. Yeah. And one thing that really struck me was everybody was always talking about behaviours outside, you know, fast cars, the powerful mm, cars, yeah. the bravado, they the do, kind yeah. of the muscles. And as a psychoanalyst, you're thinking, well, what's really behind all yeah. of that? Yeah. What's fundamentally going on? What's failing that someone needs to posture that way? Mm. Um, so really, that's, that's some of the... And, and what kind of numbers are we talking about, Imran, from the early days to, to what we're seeing now? So we started with the intention of working with just 15 men over right. 12 months. We ended up over three years working with over a hundred men. Wow. Um, but then we adapted the service, improved the service. We took lots of user feedback, realized the things that we were doing wrong. Um, one of which was being overly reliant on Eurocentric ideas. Um, and so we adapted and now we're nine years later having supported several thousand on the helpline. That's incredible. Uh, and several hundred in person. Mm. So um, yeah, we've we've and, and and we've done it. I hope in an ethical way. Yeah. In terms of where we sourced our support and funding. Your work sounds so fascinating, and I think we could have many podcasts just just on the various kind of strands of your work. Um, but today, I think it would be good for us if we could have a conversation about um, the kind of work you're doing with men and the issue around relationships. As obviously, as um, lawyers, um, we have uh, both male and female clients, and yet the way they deal with marriage or relationship breakdowns differs. It differs from culture to culture, and it differs obviously between the genders. Um, have you seen a, a trend in people seeking your help if uh, relationships are breaking down or have broken down? Unfortunately, I'd like it hasn't been a healthy enough trend not enough people. I think it's a certain middle-class right. Asian crowd who will now say, right, we need some relationship counselling. Yeah. Um, generally, world-class South Asian people, that's just not the dumb thing. You go to the religious, you know, the sage yeah, or the okay. scribe, yeah. and that's, that's the person. And let's be frank, the vast majority of those men mm. will tell the woman that she's at fault, yeah. that she needs to do sabr. She yeah. should have more patience with her husband. We've heard that so much, yeah. Um, that, you know, it, it's bad, he shouldn't hit you, but, you know, 
Yeah. It's, it's kind of part of our culture and it's part of the way. And of course, it's not. Yeah. It's not tolerated whatsoever. And also, Lokiakenge. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. The, the community's reputation. And then there's another term that we often miss. We talk about shame and honor, but mm. we, we miss haya. And haya is, I guess, best translated as modesty. Yeah. You know, and therefore, modesty dictates shame. That kind of modesty. And it's attendant shame yeah. dictates how people dress, how people kind of conduct themselves. Um, obviously, not everybody, not everybody seems to be that fussed by it, but um, I've certainly found it a lot with clients. Yeah, you know, and it's it fundamentally comes down to well, there's an internal modesty that stops me getting help. So, would it be fair to say that those that see this as a um, maybe I need to seek religious help? with my marriage problems, would it be fair to say that that sometimes creates a worse problem in terms of the marriage, managing those relationship issues? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's heavily skewed, or at least it appears, all the evidence suggests it would heavily be skewed towards the advantage of the men. Right. Unless he's from the wrong clan. Yeah. Um, you know, dependent on who the, the individual religious authority is. Um, and therefore, they're not always as helpful as mm. they can be, you know, in terms of real meaningful steps yeah. that can be taken. Um, first of all, of course, they're not going to discuss sex and intimacy. Mm. And one of the major yeah. breakdowns in relationships stems from sex and sexual intimacy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm certainly not meaning to denigrate religious authority. I'm simply saying that it's not necessarily their purview. And it's not necessarily their skill set. Yeah. So, so they are, they're not equipped really to deal with those kind of underlying issues. And so sort of maybe either don't deal with them or skirt around them, but so those issues remain. Yeah. So sexual intimacy is something that we hear a lot from yeah. our clients. Um, so what would, how would you go about then speaking to a, a potential client or advising them or, you know, Okay, so, um, you know, the relationship is a symptom. You know, the, the breakdown of the marriage is a symptom of something that's fundamentally wrong. Sure. Um, often within the individual, so I would always encourage both to get their respective help that right. they need separately. Mm. Um, but I would definitely, you know, as, as we always do with the men, we, um, we do something called schema therapy, which is core beliefs. So core beliefs, we, we basically strip down the individual down to, well, you know, what was the essence of where did things change for you, you know, and that's often in childhood. Right. And often underlying everything and insecurity. So whether it's the big car or the mm. designer clothes, is some kind of insecurity in childhood. Unfortunately, one of the most common ones is that, well, we're several siblings. Mum mm. and dad just didn't have time. Yeah. You know, so we were competing or they love my other sibling far more. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's that's a recurrent theme. So therefore, to impress the parents, they've got yeah. to really push. A reaction, um, the look yeah, of the reaction. And therefore, to please mum and get mum's love and validation, Yeah. sometimes they'll punish their wives. Because wow. mum doesn't necessarily like her. Yeah. A lot of, I think probably I'm looking at about 90%. That's a big figure, but anecdotally for us as lawyers dealing with um, marriage breakdowns from South Asian community, the mother-in-law 
and the in-laws per se have a massive contributing part to play in that breakdown. Yeah. So do you think that's connected? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, in, in DA, we're seeing women, so mother-in-laws, sometimes sisters, as secondary and tertiary perpetrators of domestic abuse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's not just the husband, but it's, it's a cycle, especially where the wife is a transnational spouse. So she's come from India or Bangladesh yes, or Pakistan or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And so she doesn't have the protection of her family. Um, but one thing that really is really common, and so many men just avoid it, mm. is this kind of tension between needing mom to be happy and being indebted to mom and doing anything, going to whatever lengths to make mom happy. And often that will involve admonishing the wife, yeah. so whether it's public humiliation whether it's violence, um, it's all part of a pattern yeah. of appeasing a level of jealousy, shall we say? Yes. That mum has lost her boy, because boys are so-called sacred, okay. right? Number one, the hardest thing is getting men to identify it. Or to see, I don't want to say it. Yeah? yeah, I need them to see it themselves. Otherwise, I'm leading them, and that's yeah. not healthy. Yeah. Um. So, I'll I will say something like, "Well, it's interesting. In every session, your mother has appeared. Yeah. And so then we'll explore that relationship and where that relationship's at. And you know, one of the things we often find is men, for various reasons want somebody who's like their mother and if she doesn't meet that standard um you know Freud would say it's a lot very of it. interesting yeah no we the, those are the kind of sort of you know complaints that are being made by women that come to see us mm. that we are we are being made an example of so that he can gain favor yeah. with mother yeah. yeah um she doesn't cook like mother yes she doesn't clean as well as yeah. mother she doesn't do this as when I when I grew up, my dad would get home and the meal would be on the table. And so, who's to blame him around? Who's to blame in that? I, I, you probably don't like I the mean, word blame. I, well, you know, I think you know we have intergenerational issues of, yeah. of how we um, how we interpret or how we determine um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the term I'm looking for? Um, uh, I'm looking for a term from. Sociology, which is how we basically delineate roles. Yes. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I've completely, because I'm so busy thinking about that, I've lost what your question was. Sorry. No, no, so go on. Sorry. No, so I was basically going to say that is how can we apportion blame to the way we raise our children and to raise our, our boys in this community? Oh, I think we absolutely can. I think we absolutely have to, because if we don't, we're never going to acknowledge it. Yeah. If we're always well at all, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we came to the West and the West has ruined everything. Well, that's just a yeah. lie. It's an utter fabrication. Yeah. It's yeah. just the social circumstances were different. You could get away with a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, now, thank God, you know, women are asserting themselves mm. and, and fighting for their rights uh, and just not willing to tolerate. Yeah. Unfortunately, many women do, though, and they don't get out of the relationships because I are. Sherman mm. is that maintains the yeah. position that they have to stay in. But the young men, I mean, we have to confront the crisis where they are essentially always going to hold any woman to a standard 
that was can only be met by their mother. Um, and that's not a healthy place to be. I mean, this is really interesting because there's always, I mean, among friends and relatives, there's always the talk that we're raising our girls well, that the boys are being spoiled beyond help. And, and I know of you know many situations where bad behavior on part of the boys is 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 the mother normally that will allow it and say yeah not go home you know don't say anything mm. he's the boy he's like you mentioned earlier the sacred one mm. you know in the family mm. you can laugh and joke about it but it has serious consequences and yeah. um, look as asian men let's be frank we have the patriarchal dividend right yes you know we we we're not supposed to have relationships but we can get away with it mm. girls can't yeah we're not supposed to go off and drink and do bad things and go clubbing and yeah the girls do it but if the girls get caught yeah they're in seriously deep trouble yeah yeah, yeah. with us it's like ah, boys will be boys yeah you know, yeah. what can you do let's just leave it and i think um we tolerate unhealthy levels of behavior we tolerate laddism mm. which is a particular trend in society right now which yeah. is about rape culture which is about domestic violence as, as a funny thing, you know, beating up a woman, mm. um, you know, constant rape jokes. We tolerate it. We tolerate it because, you know, boys will be boys. They don't really mean it. Yeah. And it's not a healthy position for any young man to be in. Would you say then, because I know earlier off, off the podcast, we spoke about, you know, the lads that we see these days in the fast cars and everybody's always you know, tearing them down, admonishing, oh, look at that behaviour. And you said something quite interesting that we need to look behind that and saying what is causing that behaviour. Mm. Um, where where do we start with these kind of conversations? Well, well I think, you know, it, it takes adults to have conversations and, and to, to identify patterns of behaviour and to, to say, well, Nobody wants to drive that way where they could hurt themselves or others. Yes. There's true. something of self-harm in that behaviour. That's so interesting. Yeah, There's a desire to hurt oneself. Yeah. To put other people in your car and risk that kind of behaviour. You know, I, there's something of suicidality. Yeah. Mm. Now I have a client who, will, when he first started with us, would boast how he takes corners on his motorbike at 260 miles an hour. And as you pushed, it was like, yeah, but my mum will get the insurance. She'll get the payout. Really? I was like, is that really what you think your mum would benefit from? And as you strip away from it, mm. it is just an act of desperate, desperate attempt to destroy one's life. Wow. Are these cries for help? Then? They're desperate cries for help. But I would say that their behaviour stems from something abusive. In the past, a lot of them have suffered physical violence. Their dads would beat them viciously, and they think that's the norm, so therefore they do it with their kids. Mm. Um, like one young man said to us, when I press, so racism plays a big part here. He said, when I press my accelerator on that car and drive that way, yeah, I know I'm gonna, I am might kill myself, but it's also the only time in my life I feel I have power. Mm. Now, what he really it's means by that is... that, actually. It is, what, what, and I think when we've, when we've really looked at it, what they mean is, in my culture, I'm a man, mm. I have power, I get to police women, I get to do anything I want. But once I step out into mainstream society, yeah. I'm just a South Asian, yeah? I'm just a Muslim, I'm just a Sikh, I'm just, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
I don't have the validation of masculinity. I'm held up against masculinity and I'm deemed inferior. Yeah. It's um, the only few times I suppose they feel in control of themselves or something. Absolutely. So therefore, if you're a working class young Asian lad and you're denied yeah. everything, well, then when I can get it, I don't really know what it's supposed to be. So I'm going yeah, 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 to try, right. try and figure out what it might be. So often it, you know, it'll come through a performative, unhealthy masculinity. Yeah. And part of therapy is getting them to reflect on what is healthy masculinity. You know, um, an unhealthy ego um, in a psychoanalytical sense, I guess, is is one that needs to make everything external. So it's the designer clothes, it's the muscles, mm, it's all of that. Right. Because something inside is crumbling. Yes. You know, and the self is terrified of death or, or, or being, a, uh, being uh, not enough, not being able to be rewarded and validated. So Bradford's all about validate me, reward me. We're the ex-peasants who came to England. Yeah. We used to be farmers, but now we're not. Look at my car, look at all this fantastic stuff I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Look at how well I've done. That's not a healthy position to be in. Because we we do see this with with clients that come in, and they, they might be your sort of bravado boys out there with the cars and 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 mm -hmm. the Louboutin trainers or whatever it is they wear. But when they come in here, and because I want to speak to you about fatherhood, um, and you know it will either be as a result of relationship breakdown that they're finding hard to cope with, they're finding hard to speak about, and that's where someone like yourself would come in. But we're also finding a trend in. Um, young men who have children young, yeah. relationship breaks down, and they then find it hard to address how they can step back into being a good father. Yeah. Aside from the the relationship that's broken down, the, I think we see they have a difficulty, and, and most people do when they're in this situation, when a relationship breaks mm. down. But in, in peculiar to our community, that stepping back down and admitting that, okay, things didn't work out, things went wrong, how do I now step back into my son's life and not perpetuate the lessons that, that have, you know, had an impact on me? See, I hope what you're saying is true. But from my experience, they're like, no, nothing will happen to them. They'll be fine. And all you ever hear is, oh, the kids are fine. They're not even bothered. Really? Yeah. So, so we, we do, we, obviously, we yeah, see that. Yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Um, I think... Um, you know, we grew up at a time when our fathers worked in mills yeah. and they had no time for their children. Yeah. And when they did, they were angry or, you know, they were tired. tired. They had to work That's ridiculous right. hours. Uh, and I guess the younger generation doesn't know that because they, their fathers didn't do those jobs. But, you know, there was no there was no manual about parenthood. And I guess women didn't get it either. But I guess they had some level of support with the children. And... and I think there's something incredibly sexist in all of it. For example, just yesterday, I'm uh, working with a client, female, and she was saying, uh, and her husband, but you know, the school will always call the woman when there's something wrong. Mm. They'll never call the father yes. because women are always left accountable for yeah. for the children's behaviour. Wow, yes, They're always held accountable. Yeah, and we have to break that. It's like you know, the schools have got to engage with the fathers more. That this is what's going on. He's doing well, or you know, or she's doing well, and I think. Yeah, there's something that we've always, in our culture, we're told as men that we're meant to back off. You know, in Pushto, a man who looks after his children and takes care of his wife is called a chazolei. Yeah, um, and it's a derogatory term. It's not a donkey, but it's 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 like a, you know, he's he's less than a man. Sure, okay. He's too effeminate. 
I just need to um, ask you, Imran, that this is is quite can be quite intense your work at times. But it, would you be able to give us some really sort of light or good examples of success stories or things that have turned out well for clients after accessing your services? Uh, okay, so we have a man yeah. who was in a terrible situation, um, problems with alcoholism, marital breakdown, but it all stemmed from something terrible that happened in childhood. He came to us, we didn't talk about the childhood thing because he just didn't want to touch it. He didn't want to go there. We didn't know about it. Eventually, when we did, it was a relief, you know, because he was so tired mm. and the alcohol had only served to suppress the memory. Yes, But in suppressing the memory, he was just exhausted. It affected his relationship. He didn't want to spend time with his kids. Um, everything was just kind of crumbling in his world. Um, and then once he finally confronted what it was, he acknowledged that that had been a huge, you know, he realized, well, there's the link. Mm. That's why things have turned out this way. Consequently, he reclaimed his life, reclaimed his own history. He went back to university. Um, he recently qualified. I saw him yesterday. He's doing really well. He's got a new career, a new relationship with his wife and kids. That's, um, That's just looked yeah. incredibly healthy. Yeah. Um, another example would be a man who's a Quran Hafiz, um, so he's memorized the entire Quran, so he's like, you know, he can lead the prayer, um, came in a terrible state to us, had kind of really lost so much in his life, um, was mourning his youth because he'd lost out, he'd never managed to have a childhood as such, um, and was going to go along with a marriage um, in Pakistan. Um, and then, you know, came to our service and said, Look, I just don't, I'm just going along with it. I feel like I've, I've got no choice. Mm. Um, and actually, through therapy, came to see what happened to him, built the courage to speak to his father, who was actually fine. I was like, mm. fine, but I just didn't know you didn't. We were trying to help you. Yeah. The father's absolutely fine with it. Yeah. And he's just enrolled at the University of Warwick. On a, psych yeah. on a psychology degree, so that is again reclaiming yeah. reclaiming their lives. Yeah, the, yeah. the point you just made actually is a really really good one. Um, in that when we have clients that say, and we're often the first point of contact, the first, uh, as we said in one of our earlier podcasts, the first person that they say out loud that my relationship has broken down or mm. I, I need a divorce. So the the point you made about the parents were actually okay about it, comes through a lot. That once they've, they've said it out loud or, or decided that this yeah. is it, it's over, the, it's more from them, the fear about what will our parents yeah. say, yeah. What, you know, mm. especially with Fosia, the first one, you know, she was, she was concerned that because it was within the family, you know, how her dad would feel. 
but you know they've supported her and said yeah. you know we just want you to be happy and we get so many clients here in Ron where mm. come with their mums or their dads or their families and they're all in tears because they're acknowledging that their marriage has failed or that their child has been treated badly mm. and more often than not it's the it's the overwhelming you know concern of the family that we wish she told us we didn't want our son or our daughter to have to go through this mm. alone mm. we didn't realize they yeah. didn't tell us yeah. so you know yeah the actual love and attention that a child yeah. needs and, and 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 tenderness and 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 time that's neglected yeah um and i think in, in a lot of those instances therefore the parents just have dictated their whole life and they've mapped it out mm -hmm. you're going to marry this person at this point and the fear of letting those parents down yeah that's ruins a, these boys lives in addition to whatever else they've yeah. gone through yeah i think this has been one of the most fascinating conversations really, oh, really? i mean oh, we yeah. could have a series on these <laughs> yeah. so imran anyone listening to you today who finds themselves in that position, they <clears throat> find themselves unable to articulate how they're feeling, what they're going through. What would be some advice from you as to what, what can they do? If so they the first thing I would say, and this is kind of psychobabble, but you know, and I, I don't mean it to sound wet, but number one is accept that you have feelings. There's nothing wrong with it. Actually accept that you have feelings. If you want to contact our service, where we, we specialize in supporting South Asian men, um, but don't second guess yourself and stop invalidating the fact that you actually have feelings to please others. Um, you know, I think what happens is a child comes into this world and the child wants to do everything. Mm. Everything's fascinating to them. So they go near the fire. Then we have to say, no, no, shh. Right. Fire's dangerous. Okay. And then as the child grows older, they establish these conditions. So it's only within these conditions that I'll be validated and rewarded. Yeah. Now, most of those are healthy things, like not going near a fire is yeah, clearly a good yeah. thing. But the child always wants to actualize and do things and be in the world. And I think, you know, in all cultures, we tell the child to shut up. Mm. We tell them what their career tra trajectory should be. We tell them who they might have to marry or what kind of person they have to marry. We tell them that they're good enough or they're not good enough. Unfortunately, far often, more often than not, we don't tell them they're good enough. Um, we, you know, we put them down. Um, not all, obviously. Yeah. I'm talking about the clients who yeah. come to us. And then what happens is they stop listening to that inner self, the one that desires to be in the world and do things and fulfill and, and live a life. And then they fulfill the life according to the desires of other people. Now, often that includes marriage. Now, that's not just arranged marriage, mm -hmm. even love marriage. You know, yeah. you know, young women will marry a certain man because he's the one that they think will bring yeah. them validation from others, from their parents, from yeah. their friends, etc. And it doesn't always work. And I think we've stopped listening to that inner voice. So if you do want to listen to your inner voice and yeah. you do want to actually say, I'm not really happy with the way things have turned out and I did things to please others and it didn't work out give us a call, you know, come and see us, you know, maybe we can help. Is that happening more? Are you finding from your work that people are? Yeah. Accessing? More often than not, men say, I've lived my whole life for other people. Yeah. You know, I did all of this to please my dad. And now, now, now I'm just stuck. I did all of this to please my mum. Now I'm just stuck. And they, they've kind of lost their own life. And it's just, oh, it's too late now. But what they are doing, which is wonderful, is 
I'm never going to allow that to happen to my kids. That's really good. I mean, that's kind of true of some of our clients yeah. who say we, we married who my parents wanted me to marry. I made a go of it, but the same situation. I've, I've tried, but it's not what I want anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I suppose it's that honesty and, and hopefully yeah. those problems don't perpetuate, you know, in the next generation. That, that's that's the so. hope, isn't it? And how can somebody get a hold of you? So they can go to our website, which is um, www.breaking-the-silence.org.uk. Um, you can get our phone number and you can make a referral on the actual website. Um, and somebody will call you back at a time and a place that is, you know, a, a time that's suitable to you or, or email you back. Um, and then we can talk about whether or not you want to take it further and actually have some therapy we do walking therapies in the park which during covid has been quite useful coaching amongst others. Take care till then.